Welcome to Fox Valley Church. My name is John Sitzler. I'm the lead pastor. I'm excited that you decided to listen to this message. Isaiah 61 states that we can be like great oak trees planted by the Lord. That's our goal for you. Yes, you. So as you listen to this message, be ready for what God wants to bring to your attention. I believe that you're going to encounter God as you listen. I really do. Are you ready? Let's discover what God has planned. I'm excited we've got some special guests here. Um, Kirk and Sandy Brown are uh, U.S. missionary chaplains to foster care, and they're going to come and share about their ministry. So would you welcome them as they come this morning? Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to come and speak today. And uh, Awesome worship. Awesome. I never heard of that uh, Manger Throne song before. How many of you was out with the first time you heard it? I thought that was pretty powerful. Uh, we are Kirk and Sandy Brown. We are Assembly God U.S. missionary chaplains to the foster world. And uh, our ministry is called Bridges of Hope because we're trying to bridge the gap between the foster world and the church. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of James, chapter 1. How many of you got your swords with you today? You armed and dangerous? Some of you just have it written on your heart. You have it all memorized, right? That's a... That's the hope, at least. James chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at one verse today. It's going to kind of set the tone for everything that we're going to be talking about and maybe what your pastor is going to be talking about for the next month or so. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can cheat on the screen. All right. James 1.27 says, Religion that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, in order to put this passage in context, we need to know that the man who wrote this, his name was James. He was literally the brother of Jesus who we've been singing about all morning today. And he, w- he wrote this while he was pastoring the church of Jerusalem. So he's writing to people like you and me. He's writing to Christians. And James starts out this letter or this book, this chapter talking about how there's going to be test trials and persecutions that come to the church. Well, how many of you know it's not if test trials and persecutions come? It's when these test trials and persecutions come into our lives. And James tells us that we need to consider it pure joy because God's going to use these things to what? Build our faith, our character, and bring us to maturity in our faith. And then Pastor James starts talking to the church about not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word as well. How many of you know there's a difference between being a hearer and a doer of God's word? I think Pastor James and your pastor and God would want us to do both, be a hearer and a doer of God's word. And then Pastor James starts talking about being religious. Now, if any of you are like my wife Sandy, who's going to help me today speak, uh, maybe you hate the word religious, uh, probably because all the negative connotations. And I mean, there's a lot of religious kooks out there, right? And, and, and stuff. Uh, and, you know, I, we pastored for over 24 years. And over the years, we've heard, heard from a lot of Christians who have told me that Christianity is not about being religious. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you ever heard of anything like that before? Well, you know what? Those people are only partially right. Christianity is about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. But according to James here, it's also about us being religious at times. Matter of fact, according to James 1.27, God the Father accepts three types of religious activities as being pure and faultless, which means God wants his church to be religious, religiously, about these three things. He wants us to be passionate and be doing these three things. And what are these three things? Well, he spells it out for us. Number one, looking after taking care of orphans or the fatherless, the motherless. Uh, number two, looking after taking care of widows in distress. And number three, keeping oneself from being polluted by the things of the world. Now, I will let your pastor talk to you about looking after and taking care of widows in distress sometime. I'll let your pastor talk to you about, you know, keeping oneself from being polluted by the things of the world. But Sandy and I are here to talk to you about this very first thing that God wants his church to be religious about, and that is looking after and taking care of the fatherless. 
uh, the motherless, the orphans, or in modern terminology, those in the foster system. And you know, as I look through scriptures, I see three or maybe four people that we could actually put in this category of being a foster kid or an adoptive kid. For example, how many of you have heard of a guy named Moses? Ever heard of him before? You know, in Exodus chapter 2, it says that Pharaoh's daughter found Moses floating in the Nile on the basket. And you know what? Pharaoh's daughter ended up adopting Moses as her son. So Moses was adopted. Have you ever heard of a guy named Samuel in the Bible? Samuel, he, his mom was barren. Her name was Hannah, and she prayed a dangerous prayer. Lord, if you would allow me to get pregnant, I will dedicate my kid to you all the days of his life. And how many of you know our God still answers prayers? And he does miracles. And she was able to get pregnant. She had a son. And the Bible says that when Samuel was of age, Hannah brought her son to the house of God in Shiloh. And Eli the priest raised Samuel up. Eli the priest became his foster dad in modern terminology. How many ever heard of a lady named Esther in the Bible? You know, Esther chapter 2 says that Esther's uncle, Mordecai, raised her after her parents were killed. We don't know if he adopted her or not, so she was either a foster kid or an adoptive daughter of Mordecai. And then some people would put Jesus in this category of being adoptive or foster kid. And there's only one reason for that. How many of you know that Joseph was Jesus' earthly father, but Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. How I many of you know it was the Holy Spirit that caused Mary to become pregnant, right? I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about that this next month or, or so. Uh, but Joseph, in today's terms, he probably went on to adopt Jesus as his own son. We don't know if he did or not, but he might be one of those in that category. And so there could be three, maybe four people in the Bible that we see as foster or adoptive kids. And if that's true, that means God used an adoptive son named Moses to do what? Bring God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. If that's true, that means God used a foster kid named Samuel to bring the word back to Israel when it was rare and to bring revival to Israel. If that's true, God, brought, uh, God used an adoptive daughter or a foster daughter named Esther to, for such a time as that to deliver Israel from all their enemies. How many of you know Israel needs an Esther right now? And if that's true, God used an adopted child named Jesus to be the Savior of the world, which tells me that God can use foster and adoptive kids in a powerful way. But you know, all four of those examples that I gave you, they had people that cared about them and loved them. And I think that's why James tells us in James 1, 27, that he wants his church to be religious in this way. I want you to take care of the orphans, the fatherless, the motherless. Why? Because they need a family. They need people to love them and take care of them. We need to take care of those in the foster world, according to James 1, 27. And our story with foster care started back right when we got married and. 1998. <laughs> we tried for about nine and a half years to have kids of our own and just were not able to. And it was a really hard time for us because we had such a desire to become parents. And God was just not answering that prayer of ours. And it was particularly hard for me. Um, I had a lot of well-meaning family members and friends that constantly would ask, like, when are you going to have children? And <laughs> over and over would ask that. And I also worked at a high school in a guidance office at that time and was very often seeing teenage girls come to want to speak with the counselor because they had found themselves pregnant and they did not want to be pregnant. And I had a hard time rationalizing that in my mind as far as God why would you allow them to be pregnant? They don't even want a child. And here I am praying for a child for so many years, and you haven't blessed me with a child. It was a really hard time for me, and I found myself a lot of times on the bathroom floor just crying, asking God, like, why are you not hearing my prayer to become a mother? And eventually the pain became more than I could handle, and I finally gave it over to God, what I should have done in the first place. 
And that day on the bathroom floor, I prayed a prayer that sounded something like this. I said, God, if I never become a mother, I'm still going to worship you. And God, if you never bless us with children, I'm still going to serve you. And you know, the moment I prayed that, I felt that burden lifting from me. But at the end of that prayer, I added one little thing. I said, but God... I'm almost 30 years old, and I've always pictured being a mother by age 30, so would you at least allow me to feel like I'm a mother by the time I turn 30? And I got up that day, wiped my tears, and really felt that burden lifted from me. And it was a few months later that we found ourselves prompted by God with a question, and that question was, what are you going to do with the extra bedrooms in your house? We heard that over and over again, and we're like, God... We are trying to become parents. <laughs> Doing our part, Lord. <laughs> you, you have not blessed us. But over and over we heard that question, what are you going to do with the extra bedrooms in, in your house? And about that time, we started looking into adoption, but at the time it was way too expensive for us. We couldn't afford to adopt any kids. And uh, that's when someone mentioned, well, why don't you become licensed foster parents and become, you know, start fostering and you can adopt through the foster agencies and the government will help pay for some of those costs. And so we prayed about it and we felt like that's what God wanted us to do. So we started to take classes to become licensed foster parents. And the very first class that we took, the teacher got up and said there is a sibling group of three that's come up for adoption. The parental rights have been terminated. Is anyone here interested in adopting these three kids? And me and Sandy looked at each other and we both raised our hands. And about two weeks after we stopped taking the foster classes, we became licensed foster parents. These three kids came into our lives and our homes at the age of six, nine, and ten. And their names are Kiri, Jenna, and Trey. And uh, about nine months after that, we were able to adopt this sibling group of three. And God made us a family. How many of you know that's how God works? Amen. Well, because how God made us a family, we have a good understanding how to minister to those in the world. And I will just note that this picture was taken the first weekend that they were in our home. And it wasn't until they went back, we had just had them for a weekend to kind of trial basis. When they went back to their foster parents, we realized that that was two days before my 30th birthday. So God had allowed me to feel like a mother for a weekend with these children, but God didn't stop there. He also allowed me to be a mother to these children. So it's just kind of neat looking back now that pretty much that whole time that we were trying to have kids of our own, our kids were alive. And God was probably just sitting there like, okay, just wait. <laughs> just wait. I have your kids for you. And at the proper time that they need you, I'm going to intersect your lives together. So a lot of times, you know, we pray for things, and it, God knows what is best. He has the best plan. And, you know, usually foster care, this is not how this works. Foster care, the whole purpose is to get kids back into their families. Like, this is unusual. This normally doesn't happen this way, but God is the God of miracles. And he didn't stop there, then also called us to become missionaries to foster care. So it's just neat looking back, like if that had never happened to us, if we right. never had problems having children of our own, would we be here? God had such a plan for our lives. It's just so neat now looking back. And some of you might be asking, well, why should we send out and support uh, missionaries to the foster world when there's already government agencies set up and dedicated for that purposes. Well, let us give you at least three reasons. Number one, because James 1.27 tells the church, I want you to be religious in this way. This is something I want my church to be doing religiously, with passion, with everything within this. Support and take care of and love on the orphans, the fatherless, or those in the foster world. Number two, uh, it, it, it's because, uh, man, how many of you know we live in a crazy world? And, and we actually need some Christ-like foster and adoptive parents out Amen. there. Amen. We really do. Now, we know that a lot of the foster and even adoptive parents out there, they do a great job. They do their best. But how many of you know there are those that should not be foster parents? And they should not be adopting. For example, we talked to a young lady named Cheryl. 
and uh, she aged out of the foster system. And when she was a teenage girl in the foster system, she was uh, sharing a room with another uh, foster girl. Well, the foster dad and his biological son kept telling these two girls all the sexual things that they were going to do to them. And so Cheryl and this other girl literally took their dresser every night and he barricaded their bedroom door to make sure these guys could not get into their bedroom. Cheryl slept with a hammer underneath her pillow. The other girl slept with a knife under her pillow just in case one of those guys ever got into the room at night. People, that is a great example of why we need some Christ-like foster and adoptive parents out there. Then there was a foster kid who was actually put in a closet by his foster parents for days. The child was not allowed to leave that closet for days. They had to eat in that closet. They had to sleep in that closet. They had to go to the bathroom in that closet. They watched the biological kids play with their toys through the cracks of the closet doors. People, we need someone to take care of these foster kids, these kids in the foster system. They need someone to look after them. And to help them, not to put them and lock them up like an animal. Then there's a little boy named Johnny who is in the foster system. Little Johnny went to a Royal Family Kids Camp, a camp set aside just for foster, uh, those in the foster system. And uh, one day they were having hot dogs at this camp. And little Johnny went up to his counselor and, and said, I can't wait to have a hot dog. I've never eaten a hot dog before. I've only had hot dog soup. And his counselor says, hot dog soup? What's hot dog soup? I've never heard of that before. And that's when little Johnny told him that when his foster parents make hot dogs, the foster parents eat the hot dogs, but they only give the foster kids the water that they made the hot dogs in. You know, every time I tell that story, it makes me angry because these kids deserve so much more than that. How are they going to know, feel, and experience the love of Christ unless a Christ-like person Servant of God reveals it to them. We do need some Christ-like foster and adoptive parents out there. We also need missionaries in the foster care world because the government agencies simply can't keep up. There's more kids going into care than there are parents available to them. For instance, we talked with some missionary friends of ours in Oregon, and they said there's some counties in Oregon that are taking prisons. They're putting prisoners on one side. The other side, they're painting the walls pretty colors and housing kids there until they can find parents for them. Imagine the trauma that these kids would get just from spending some time in a prison. You know, and then you add to the foster care crisis the problem of the teens aging out. It just falls up into this huge burden, and we really believe the church should be part of the answer to that. That's right. And Sandy and I talked to a foster worker in Dane County and Monroe County, and we asked them, do you want the church's help? Do you need the church's help? And they both told us yes. And you know what? They said yes because right now in Wisconsin, there's over 7,600 foster kids in our state alone. They said yes because every year there's over 600,000 young people that go into the foster system. In any given day, there's over 400,000 foster kids in our country. They said yes, because right now there's over 100,000 kids that are up for adoption from the foster system. They're just waiting for someone to open up their home and say, hey, we want you to be a part of our family. But you know, the neat thing about some of those statistics is, even though there might be over 400,000 foster kids in any given day here in America, there's also about 380,000 churches in America which means that if the church would simply do their part and be religious, like James 1.27 says, and if every church had at least one family that would look after, take care of an orphan or a fatherless or those in the foster system, it would obliterate the foster crisis going on in our country right now. The church really is the answer to the foster crisis, and it's the reinforcement that our country needs. So we know there's a huge need, so you might ask us as missionaries, what is our plan for ministry? Well, we have two areas that we're really wanting to concentrate on and we feel led to concentrate on. And well, the first is ministering to the teens that are aging out of the foster system. So what does it mean to age out? That's the age they become when they're no longer considered a child in foster care. In Wisconsin, that age is 18. Then they're considered to be a legal adult. And at that time, they 
normally under normal circumstances, they need to leave the foster home because they are now too old to stay in care. Most of these teens don't have a family system to go back to or a, f- a healthy family to go back to because there's a reason why they were 18 and not with their original family. And, you know, we look back at, we look at our own kids. Our kids, you know, I saw a picture earlier, and there's a picture coming up here um, of them right now. And um, they are in their 20s, 24, 26, 28. Yep. They are all married, um, so there is another one also, <laughs> since all three are married. Now, we look at our kids. When they left our home to go to college, they had so many questions And it's really caused us to start thinking, these teens who age out of the system, who do they go to? You know, our kids can pick up the phone and call us and ask us all the questions they have. But these teens who age out of the system don't have that same advantage of having that family system that they can ask the questions to. And to illustrate this, we wanted to give you some of the actual questions that these kids have asked us since leaving our home and venturing out into adulthood. And I will note some of these questions are very recent questions that they have asked. Okay, why am I getting no mail after I moved? I have to renew my driver's license. My ear hurts, what should I do? When do I have to start paying on my student loans and how do I do that? How do I pay my rent? How do I write a check? Do I even have a routing number? How do I pay for a deposit on my apartment? And why didn't I get my apartment deposit back? How do I get my car back after it was impounded? (laughs) That happened twice to the bride in this picture last winter. The good thing is the second time she knew what to do. And she called us to say, I just thought you should know that I know what I need to do. God God bless her. (laughs) Should I get an apartment with my friend who was just evicted for not paying her rent? No. (laughs) That was also the bride. Yes, that was the bride. (laughs) Do I have to have health insurance? How do you cook chicken? What is a deductible? I need a beneficiary. What does that even mean? Should I start contributing to retirement now? Why was so much money taken out of my check for taxes? How do I do laundry? I just ate eggs that expired two days ago. Am I going to die? Anyone want to guess? The bride. (laughs) It's a bride. And she lived. Praise God. What's a tax return? How do I fill out a W-2? How do I get car insurance? How do you figure out a budget? I lost my Social Security card. What do I do? It was the bride. (laughs) There's always one in every family. She's it. And how do I stop the washer at the laundromat? I forgot to put the soap in. And she was so upset, she paid $5 to get her clothes wet. (laughs) So those are just some of the questions that these kids have asked us since leaving our home. And like I said, it makes us wonder, these teens who age out, who do they go to? Who is their person to ask these questions to? Now, you would hope that a family who had a teenager who was getting ready to turn 18, you would hope they would let them stay. Like, we can't imagine asking a teenager to leave our home just because they turned 18. But the reality is it's expensive to raise someone. And a lot of these families have said, even if I wanted to, I couldn't financially because it's just too expensive. And without the financial help, most teenagers are just let out to be adults at age 18. Now, some counties in our state are pretty good about giving luggage, but some places they're just given garbage bags. Here, pack up your stuff. It's time to leave. We've heard from different Assemblies of God leaders who have personally witnessed vans stopping on the side of the road. The door opens. Teenagers get out with garbage bags in their hand, and the van drives off. Those are teenagers who have aged out of the system, just left there, on the side of the road without a support system. And they don't have that support system to help them with the basic things of life. You know, only 3% of these teens actually end up graduating from college, but the reality is that college can be free for any teen who ages out of the system if they go through the proper channels. They just don't always have the help and the resources to get them there. And there are programs for these teens, but a lot of times they refuse the help because they don't understand what they're passing up. They don't have someone next to them encouraging them and telling them what is really out there. So there is a huge problem of these teens falling through the cracks. Can we just pretend today that we're in the foster system, all of us, and can we pretend 
that it's our 18th birthday today. Now, some of you are going to have to go way back, all right? But just kind of remember when you're 18. So we're, we, we wake up and we're thinking, oh, I'm 18 today. It's my birthday. Maybe our foster parents, maybe they bought me a birthday present. Maybe they made me a birthday cake. Maybe they're going to throw me a birthday party. I've never had a birthday party before. And so we get out of our bed with excitement. And we leave our bedroom with anticipation, only to be handed one of these. Garbage bag. And we're told by our foster parents, pack up your stuff, kid. It's time for you to get out of the house. We need your room for a different foster kid that we're going to make some money off of. That's the reality for about 23,000 young people in our country every year. Now, I don't know about you, but when I turned 18, I wasn't ready for the real world on my own. Imagine turning 18 and having no parents, no family, no one to help you uh, to guide you through adulthood. You know, something similar like this happened to the young lady named Cheryl, who I talked to about earlier. How many remember Cheryl who slept with a hammer underneath her pillow? When she aged out of the foster system, when she turned 18, the foster home that she was in told her to pack up your bags and get out of the house. And so Cheryl had to pack up all of her stuff, and she found herself literally sitting in front of this foster home for hours, sitting on the curb with all of her stuff around her. She had no clue what she was going to do, had no clue where she was going to go. She finally called her biological sister who lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who sent her a bus ticket, and Cheryl went to live with her biological sister for a season. The good thing about that is her biological sister was a born-again Christian, invited Cheryl to go to church with her on a Sunday morning. Cheryl went, gave her life to Jesus Christ, and is now an Assembly God missionary today. Yes, praise God. But when she turned 18, she was told, pack up your stuff, can get out of the house. And that is the reality for 23,000 young people in our country every year. And what happens to these young people? Well, Sandy and I want to share some statistics with you of what happens with them. So out of the 23,000 young people that age out of the foster system every year, in Wisconsin, it's the age of 18, 20% of them will become homeless immediately. 50% of them will be homeless within two years. Church... If we want to help with the homeless situation in our country, we've got to minister to those young people that are aging out of the foster system. 50% of those that age out, they will become addicted to some kind of substance eventually. And 60% who age out will end up in the sex industry. And 60% of boys who age out will end up convicted of a crime. And we heard from two different Assemblies of God leaders in Texas that told us that They spoke with the head of the prison system in the whole state of Texas. And this individual was telling them, you know, every year I have to decide how many additional beds I need for the prisons across the state. He said, the way I do that is I call all the county offices and I ask them, how many teens do you have aging out? That's the number that he then uses for how many additional beds. So he basically expects the teens aging out to end up in prison. And statistics show that out of the 23,000 young people age out, 70% of the, the girls, they will become pregnant by the age of 21, whether or not they're married or not. And a lot of their kids end up right back into the foster system. And so what happens to these young people when they age out statistically is not good. And that's got to change. So the question is, church, who's going to rise up to make a difference? We know that God has a plan for each one of their lives. That's right. And we really believe the church can help show them that plan and help change those statistics. So the question is, how will we be doing this? Well, we're going to be using the local church to help. Part of our task as missionaries will be to start a mentorship program that's going to basically take people in the church and pair these people with these teens who are aging out so that teen just has someone who can come alongside them. You know, we know that not everyone can be foster parents. In fact, most people can't be. We know not everyone can adopt. Once again, most people can't be. But we really believe that just about everybody should be able to speak into the lives of a teen who is aging out. Just to give them that healthy support system they need. Just, you know, basic help. How to get a job. 
those same questions that our kids asked us. And you know, once the mentors are able to help meet their physical needs, that's just going to spill over to being able to help them spiritually. So we really have the potential to change the course of their lives. And a good example of this is a young lady named Jennifer. We met her, her picture on the screen here, we met her at a church that we were at um, several months ago. And you know, after we spoke, she raised her hand, and in a soft voice, she says, I have an apartment, I have a job, and I'm going to college. And it's because of these people next to me. See, seated next to Jennifer were her former foster parents. And, you know, Jennifer was telling us afterwards that when she went into the foster system, she said, I just knew that I was not going to get to know these people because I had heard what happened to my friends. When they turned 18, their foster parents just dropped them. So at age 16, she goes into the foster system and says, I, I didn't even want to get to know them at all. But she said that these people were different than what she expected. They were Christians. She said these people came alongside her and said, Jennifer, when you turn 18, don't worry about it. You don't have to leave our home. You can stay as long as you need to. These people helped her find a job, find an apartment, helped her figure out what she wanted to do with her life because Jennifer told me she thought that she didn't have a future. She didn't think there was anything for her. And today, Jennifer is going to college to, and with dreams of starting a nonprofit that would help teens in her same exact situation. So this young lady is thriving today, and a large part of that is because of the foster parents that she had. So we really do have the potential to change the course of lives. At church, we can make a difference. Uh, and besides ministering to those that are aging out of the foster system, Sandy and I would also, we want to help local bodies of Christ, local churches like yours, to either start or enhance foster ministries to those in the foster world in your community. And we're talking about ministering to foster parents, foster children, foster workers, and biological parents whose kids are now in the foster system. Uh, you know, fostering is hard. How many foster parents or adoptees are in this congregation right now? Raise your hand. There are a lot yes. in this congregation. Praise God. And you know what? They need ministering to. You know, the truth is, fostering is very hard. It's tough. And you who have fostered, you know what I'm talking about. Statistics right now show that half of foster parents quit fostering after the first year because of how hard it really is. And half of them quit the second year. But when a church encourages them, when a church helps them, when a church supports them, that number drops down to only 10% of foster parents quit fostering when they have the church's help, which means 90% continue to foster, and some of them go on to adopt when they have the church's help and support. So church, you can make a huge difference in the life of those in the foster world. And a good example of this is a caseworker that we spoke to named Lance, and he was telling us about the first time that he placed children into a foster home. He said he was nervous. It was his first time on a job doing this, but he said he was also nervous because it was the parents' first time receiving children. And they had requested one child at a time, but he had called them and said, I have two boys that I need a home for. Would you be interested? And they said, yes, bring the boys over. He said as they entered the home and the boys started running through the house, he could see instant stress on their eyes. Like, what did we just agree to? And he said he wondered the same thing as he looked out and every bit of their living room furniture was white. So he kind of wondered how that was going to end. But he said that as he's talking to them, he's just seeing the stress level get larger and larger. He said a little while later there was a knock on their door. It's a family from the local church, and this family had a big bag of clothes in their hand, and they said, we heard you got two boys instead of one. You're going to need some extra clothes. He said that family left, and a little while later, there was a second knock on their door. It's another family from that same church, and this family had a car seat in their hand, and they said, we heard you got two boys instead of one. You're going to need another car seat. He said that family hadn't even left, and there was a third one pulling in the driveway, it's another family from that same church, and they came up to the door with just a big bucket of KFC chicken. They said, we know you're not going to have time to cook tonight. We just want to bless you. 
He said with every person that came to the door, he could see that stress level decreasing as they knew that they had a support system around them. He said years later, they told him that the only reason they stayed foster parents was because of that church. The only reason they ended up adopting was because of that church. So while most of us can't foster or adopt, man, we can encourage those who can. And what a huge opportunity that is for churches to minister to people right in your own backyard. Yeah, and me and Sandy have a, a goal of helping at least 20 churches next year start or enhance their foster ministry. And, and your church is one of those 20, praise God, uh, that we're going to be supporting and, and helping and hopefully doing some trainings here and stuff. But you can help us to do all these things in at least three ways. Number one, we need your prayers, people. Uh, we are involved in a very uh, intense ministry, I guess you could say. We're ministering to a lot of people that have gone through a lot of trauma. And so we need your prayers. And my prayer is every time you see one of these, a garbage bag, maybe you'll think of those young people in the foster system, or maybe you'll think more specifically about those young people aging out of the foster system, or maybe every time you see a garbage bag, you'll think of Sandy and I in our ministry, and you'll pray for us. We really do need your prayers. And the second way you can help us is financially. Our biggest financial need is monthly support, and we do want to thank your church for already jumping on and, and coming alongside us as a monthly partner. And we, we so appreciate that. Right now we're at about 70% of our monthly support budget, so we're getting there. We're getting close. But we also like to challenge just people as individuals, as businesses, if you want to come alongside us, please let us know. We would love to have you help launch us into this ministry. And number three, you can help by getting involved. The fact is there is something that everyone in the church can do to minister to someone in the foster world, whether it's ministering to foster parents, foster children, foster workers, or biological parents whose kids are now in the foster system. Uh, whether it's you know, mentoring one of these young people aging out or tutoring one of these young people that are in the foster system, or maybe making a meal. I'm sure you got some great cooks in this church. Make a meal and bring it over to a foster home. It's a blessing to them. It helps them. Buying a box of Pampers and bring it over to a foster agency that's always short in supplies. There are thousands of ways of showing the love of Christ. Thousands of ways a local body can minister to someone in the foster world. And I want to challenge you to pray. And ask God how he would want you as a church and as individuals to minister to those in the foster world and how you could be religious like James 1.27 talks about. And we started out with the challenge that God gave us, that what are you going to do with the extra bedrooms in your house? And, you know, for us it seemed like an easy decision because we wanted to be parents so badly. But we look back now, and that one decision changed the course not only of our lives, but changed the course of our kids' lives. See, before us, they were in a foster home of an atheist family. So they went from atheist children to pastor's children overnight. And today, all three of them are serving the Lord right. and are rooted in their faith. And it's just, you think about that simple challenge, what are you going to do with those extra bedrooms in your house? Sometimes the challenge that God might give you might seem like a small thing, but whatever God is challenging you to do, whether it be pray, whether it be give, whether it be to help out and to serve, whatever that is, that's going to make a huge difference because God has called you to do that. And we just want to thank you for allowing us to come. Thank you, Pastor, for letting us come and speak. Uh, thank you all. God bless you. We'll be at our table after the service. Thank you guys for praying. Thank you, Kirk and Sandy, for coming. We're going to take up an offering right now uh, on behalf of the Browns. So I'm going to ask our ushers if you guys would prepare your plates. Art's bragging about himself right now. But if you know Art, he has every reason to brag. Art, how many kids did you have come through your house? 327 foster kids came through Art and Joyce's house. And um, so I want to share with you a little bit. Um, sometimes I do things without asking your permission. And uh, when I first talked to the Browns back in August, I'll talk more about that in a second, but 
we committed to serving them monthly through Kingdom Builders. So when you give monthly to Kingdom Builders, this is where the money goes to people like this that we get to partner with to see what God is going to do. So I try to get our missionaries supported by us before they come so they don't have to come begging for money so that you can just give with a generous and eager heart. So we're going to take up a cash offering for them. Everything in this offering is going to go to Kingdom Builders. There's a way through the electronic giving. The Browns are in there. The Browns are right in there. You can give it by name to them. But uh, let's pray, and we're going to give, and then I want to share a little bit more about foster care ministry. So Heavenly Father, thank you, like Holly said, for the Browns and the ministry that they're up to. And I pray that our church, again, would be overwhelmingly generous because, God, you're an overwhelmingly generous God, and so how could we do anything else? So, Lord, we pray that you bless each and every amount that's given today, whether it's physical or electronic, that you would bless and, let, and propel the Browns into their ministry. In Jesus' name, church, say amen. Amen. I want to go back. Jason, can we go back to some slides? Can you go to that USA slide with the 400,000 on it? So one thing that Kirk said is that uh, 400,000 kids are in foster care and 380,000 churches. So that's why they're doing what they're doing. But I want to show you the next slide that I don't know if we spent enough time on. Go ahead to the 7,600 here in Wisconsin. And that's bigger than the population of the village of Kimberly. So imagine everybody who lives here in Kimberly, that's how many kids we have in foster care at a given time. Appleton has over 70,000 people. So if one in every 10 people you see as you're driving through Appleton, that's a foster kid. That's how many kids that we have out there. And if you look on there, you can see the biggest counties with foster care programs, with kids in foster care, right? Our county that our church is in, Outagamie County, is one of those top counties. You can tell the population centers, but still those are one of those. But So I got my Kleenex ready. If some of you were here back in Wednesday when we did either Whisper or what was the other one about shaking up and changing your life, remember the kids in the Africa story? Wednesday nights is amazing. If you're not coming to church on Wednesday night, you're missing out on an enriching experience. But on one of those Wednesday nights, Ted, I'm going to roam all the way over here. Um, so over here, this is Paul Michael's prayer spot right here. And normally, I'm over here. Usually the table's not here. But I was praying about our word for the year because we had just started and talking about it as a church of Engage. And I got a sense that the first six months of the year was how we're going to individually engage with people. And I know a lot of you have done that. I know people who are volunteering at Vita, which used to be Mother and Unborn Baby Care. I know people who have engaged with relatives and family and friends that were struggling with, and they decided to re-engage with them again, and I've seen God do some great things, and I've seen some prayers not yet answered yet. So you guys have really moved forward and engaged. We've got a whole engage button in the app of different places you can get involved and engage in the community. But it was a cold night in January or February, just sitting here praying about, God, whatever you want to say. And he's like, John, I want to tell you how I want the church to corporately engage in your community. And I said, well, God, that's the second half of the year. This first half is how do we get our people individually gazed? He's like, I don't care, John. This is what I'm going to tell you. And guess what he said to me back in January? He said, John, I want you to get the church involved in foster care. And you know me, right? My answer is like, nope. Because, right, as soon as you think of it, think of the heaviness of it all, right? Foster care. You know, I have to sign up everybody in church to become foster parents. Ah! All we're going to be doing is getting together and trying to support each other, and how do we get through this whole thing? And, of course, you know, I don't know if you're like me. I initially say no, but then, of course, I really mean yes. I just want to argue with him a little bit about it for a while. So I'm just sitting there praying, and then, and then the Lord says, okay, I want you to tell everybody tonight what I told you for the church to get involved with. And you know me. Nope. Because as soon as I would say it out loud, 
I would be accountable to some core spiritual people in our church. Not to say that if you're not here on Wednesday nights, you're not a core spiritual person in our church, but there's a group of people on Wednesday nights that are like crazy next level people. And as soon as I said it out loud, I knew that I was going to be on the hook for this thing. So I argued with him again, and of course, I yielded. And then back in January, I came back over here because at the end of our prayer time, we want to listen, but we want to share in case God wants to speak prophetically to our church. And I just said, guys, anybody have anything to share of what God was saying to them? Nobody said nothing. It's a pain. So I said, well, let me tell you what God is telling to me. And I said, God wants our church to get involved with foster care. I told them about me arguing with him, too, because they know who I really am. And so while we've been working on this process, and I've been working with the Browns since the summer, and there's different things that have been going on. First of all, we just had a 30-minute Zoom meeting, uh, I think in August or something like that, because I was like, how in the world are we going to do this? And God's like, hello, I've got chaplains and missionaries ready. He doesn't talk like that. He's more like, John, wake up. And um, so we were just on this Zoom for just a little, about a half an hour. And, and I just told them the story that I told you. And they said, John, it's not that hard. Take a breath, you idiot. Now, that's not what they said, but that's how I heard it. But uh, so we're working on some steps and we're doing some things. But the reason that I asked at that time, too, for the Browns to come today and I even kind of twisted their arm a little bit, and they were very gracious about coming today, even though they just flew into Milwaukee yesterday and drove up here, and now it's snowing, and now they're going back, is because they said, we want to be a part of this. And they said what they shared with you today, that in 2024, they want to help 20 churches start or develop their foster care ministries. I said, well, now there's only 19 you have to do, because this is what we're going to do as a church because the Lord has been moving and working and I've had people praying and I've been talking to different leaders and there's all kinds of stuff happening. And so a lot of you may know some of this story already. If you, if you don't, that's, you're catching up. But here's the other thing. We're starting a new series um, next Sunday called What Child Is This? And we're going to be talking this whole month about what could happen in the life of a child who encounters somebody. And you already heard him tell that story about a different kind of foster parent, people knocking on the door of a fostering family, and what can happen when we get involved in helping people and actually being religious like we should be instead of religious like we shouldn't be. I don't really care what kind of clothes somebody wears. I don't care how bad they smell. I don't care what kind of language they use. I don't care about what pronoun they prefer. I'm going to tell them about Jesus, and I'm going to love them, and we're going to see what God is going to do because that's what God has called us to do. So starting now and for who knows how long, because here's the other thing. The last time this happened, we started a food pantry. And Becky, we have hundreds of homes every week. I mean, every month coming through our food pantry, hundreds of families. We have 180 in the Christmas blessing kids alone that we're helping out with Christmas this year, um, trying to help them. That's what the miracle offering was all about. So God's got something big. And here's the other thing. I'm like, God, hello, it's just us. I mean, it's me and Shirley. What are we going to do? You know, me and Shirley and Jeremy. What are we, I mean, it's me and Roy and Jeremy and Shirley. I mean, it's just us. I mean, look around the room. You guys are beautiful, but I mean, my goodness. All the stuff that we're doing and what God is leading us to, but the only thing that we can do is obey. So that's what we're going to do. And if you want to be a part of what God is going to launch in this foster care ministry, I want to let you know of a few things of what leadership is about. You're a member, and you're living up to what it means to be a member, which means you're in a life group, you're serving some way, you're regularly active in church life, you're not flaking out on stuff, you've got a track record of serving, because this is going to be a hardcore deal. 
Because if God really wants us to engage, like I'm sure he's working in other churches, not in, only in the Assemblies of God. I, I'm believing for more than 20 churches. That's my prayer for you guys, that more than 20 churches in 24 are going to be involved. And you guys can be praying for that too. They said pray. It's a hard thing to do. And if you've adopted and fostered, like so many of you have, and some of our, our, our people in here have been through foster and have been adopted, and we've got some very impressive people in this church, just like... I like to brag on art all the time. I had nothing to do with it, but I just know him, so I think that's cool. Um, anyways, next summer we're going to talk about celebrity, and art's one of the celebrities in my life. Like Pastor Roy and Dee are some of the celebrities in my life, and a lot of you people are because you're actually living out, and Kirk and Sandy adopting those kids. Two days before Sandy turned 30, they had a family, a bigger family. So who knows what God's going to do. There's been people in our church who've been talking about fostering, who've talked to me individually about fostering, apart from all of this stuff that's been going on. So God is just really at work. And so um, if, if God is calling you to foster, make sure you talk to Browns and make sure you talk to me because we want to help. We can do this. Now, you may be just getting it today, and I've had all since January to get my head around this. Well, I'm a little bit slower than you, so just jump on board real quick because you're faster than me. And one, okay? Um, if we do this in the service, if you ever want prayer, it's about something we talk about that day or not. Um, they'll be here for prayer. But would you all stand with me and join me in prayer, asking God to help us in our next steps of what he's going to have us do? So, Heavenly Father, we love you a whole lot, and we are so thankful that you saw us, this little church that meets in Kimberly, and you want us to help. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for the opportunity to help who you care about so much. Thank you for the examples of the Browns and so many in our church who have fostered and adopted and have been helping in so many ways. And Lord, we need your help as a church for what you have next for us. So help us as we take our next steps and all the things that you're going to do. Here in this month, I pray, God, that you would grow our hearts as a church, grow the heart, the singular heart of our church to care about kids and grow our hearts each and every day. And, Lord, I know that you're already doing that, so, God, just keep, keep that work up. But give us your wisdom as we move into this next engagement piece that you have for our church. So, God, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Now, church, don't go anywhere. I'm going to let the Browns get to their table so they can actually make it. Because if it were me, I'd be mobbing them right now. Prayer team is here. If you want to stay and pray, you can. But like we say every Sunday, if you want to talk to somebody, hit the lobby. There's coffee out there. We want to keep the volume down for people who are praying in here. So have a great week, everybody. God bless and Merry Christmas. Like I said at the beginning, God had something specific to talk to you about today, and I'd encourage you to take a step right now. What is something you could actually do based on what God brought to your attention? It could be the action step that was brought out in the sermon, or it could be something different. Just take a step. The Bible says when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to participate in person during one of our Sunday worship services. In the meantime, to keep up with everything our church is doing, go to foxvalley.church or download our app and search Fox Valley Church wherever you get your apps. God bless you.